You're listening to Art Root Radio, and I'm your host, Master Artist Michelle Lockery. Today in the listening room, we have a very good friend of mine. Her name is AJ, and I'll let AJ tell you all about herself. Um, she's an incredible artist, uh, community supporter, innovator, and um, just a, a real champion of the arts. There will be, as always, a link at the end of the podcast and on our website to tell you all about AJ and take you on a scavenger hunt for you to find out more. But let's welcome AJ into the uh, podcast room and today a little bit into the art farm because I can still hear chickens in the back. Hi, AJ. How are you today? Welcome to the listening room. I'm great, Michelle. Thank you very much for having me today. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I I had to wrangle some chickens before I could put you online. You know, I do still live on that farm. I think it's awesome that you have that art farm, and I've been following you with your grandkids and how you can teach them while they are out there teaching or learning about life on a farm, but as well creating it in an art form. I think that's just awesome. I, I love watching that. You know, it's really interesting. I mean, you and I have known each other for several years, probably decades now. Decades. Yeah. Decades. And I have followed your career. Tell me, what do you think is the major connection to you and your art? Um, I would definitely say whatever happens in my life is reflected in my art. And I would say 90% it is reflected and comes out in some way, shape or form of a heart, which happens to be something that I've done all my life. I have collected hearts and not the hearts of people, but maybe a little bit too, hopefully, but mainly hearts in all shapes and forms and sizes. And you know what's wonderful when you have something like that, that people always find them and they send it send them to you or they bring these as a gift because they were in xyz somewhere in the world and they saw this or i have lots of people who have um, sent me pictures that they found a heart on the road or in a stone and it is just something that always touches my heart um because i always have this discussion with my husband who sometimes says can't you do something else but hearts and I say you know the world needs hearts and particularly right now the world needs more heart and more love and we need to be kinder to people and and more loving to each other and I feel a lot of strength in the hearts that I have created as well as the ones that have come to me and interesting Michelle, is that when you talk to people about heart, they all think about a big red cheesy heart or Valentine's heart. And I personally don't even like Valentine's Day for that reason, because it means it's just the one day that we have to give this heart away. But um, what I learned in over the years is that people actually all have a reaction to it. Oftentimes, I find men negating this feeling that comes up for them. And I always say it really doesn't matter if it is a positive feeling and it warms your heart or it makes you smile or if it's a not positive feeling. The main thing to me is you have an emotional reaction to this and that's what engages you with something. It's interesting. I, you know, they say that once people have heart issues or heart disease that their emotions change. I always sometimes wonder if men learn that later or, you know, that 
the heart is looked at because of Valentine's Day as a plastic heart when it's actually attached to your brain. <laughs> it very much is it very much is attached to your brain and it's interesting you say that because we personally have just gone through some medical um emergency in terms of brain and i find that the person who had it is actually getting softer in his heart it seems like there is a very very strong connection that we might not even be aware of in a day-to-day business but it seems like things when things change in your brain it seems to be changing something in how you feel about things And maybe it is because um, it is um, a very scary thing when something happens to our brain. Uh, We might feel that we lose it. We might feel we lose memory. We might feel that we might not be 100% anymore. But I think the biggest fear is that we feel we might be losing the people in your life that love you. And that becomes way more apparent when, when you are in a situation that is very scary. It is definitely, you know, I'm picturing as you're speaking the hearts that you've made and I know the hearts that you're planning to make and they're very layered and you you choose metals and wires, which is you create them to be what should look as being rigid becomes very fluid. Your work, that's what I see when I see your work. It's this fluid metal. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're a very strong businesswoman, and I know you've been a community champion, but the soft side of you in your art, were you, did you always, like as a child, what did you color when you were a child? Hmm. I wasn't very encouraged to do art. I uh, always had the desire to do art, and I, I have two older brothers, and I remember as uh, the youngest, I would go and hide in my closet or I would hide in a little forest that was on our property and just in a corner where I thought they wouldn't find me and took my little crayons and my paper and was trying to draw just trees, just regular trees and just was not very happy with it. But the worst thing that happened to me and it really has stuck with me for many, many years um, is that my brothers discovered me and they started laughing about what they saw. And it took me probably, it's probably about 20 years ago that a good friend of mine said, why don't you come and do a drawing course with me? And I started drawing and uh, it became way more fluid and it became way more um, able to express what I wanted to express with it. I'm still not a great drawer, but I, I started to enjoy doing it because I was not fearful that somebody could actually make me feel bad about it. So there wasn't really that little girl that was sort of like happily in her room, sitting down with crayons. I have always been a person that liked to build things. I I wanted to create with my hands, but not necessarily in terms of painting or drawing, but I'd rather do a 3D situation um, out of rocks or sand or whatever, sticks and stones, whatever was available to me. What color crayon would you like to pick up? What was your first choice of crayon color? Sky blue. Sky blue. Hmm. Mine was orange. I always picked up the orange crayon, mm-hmm. which is weird. I'm not a font. I don't like orange. <laughs> it that's interesting because if you would ask me now, I would most likely pick up orange because orange has become such a strong color for me. If it is in my clothing or if it is in accents in my house or if it is um just i'm very very drawn 
to art that has orange in it. However, when the orange is mixed with the sky blue, it is the perfect complementary colors. And that's what I find when I go in a gallery. That's the painting that I go and look at, even if I don't like the theme of the painting. But that's what draws me. That's so, so interesting. Yeah, I hated coloring, AJ. As a child, I, um, I, I liked to draw, but I didn't like coloring. And I also liked, probably, if anything, to take things apart. I was very destructive as a child. Yeah, I would get in a lot of trouble for things like cutting up my mom's wedding dress or thinking it was a good idea to pour nail polish on an acetone kind of those old fashioned bedspreads and pour holes in it and go, wow, that's cool. Ouch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but this, this is interesting because now you're a person who is trying to put so many things together. So maybe you needed to take those things apart in order to understand how you can put them together in a better way. I think so. My dad was an inventor. And I think that for me, I do. I have this this wanting to share and wanting everybody to feel included. Because as a child, I never felt included. I just... I was a definitely a, a duck of a different color, we'd say. <laughs> you know, so I think for me, that's kind of where, you know, I think that everybody should get a great big box of crayons and everybody should color together and it can be unique and work together. And obviously that's what I did. But you, you do that as well. But how many paintings do you think you've created? How many paintings? Yeah. Oh, gee. Um... I would say that that's really difficult to say because there's probably about 35 paintings that are in my in my studio or my storage that are asking for being finished. But I would say easily 200 plus or probably maybe not quite as many paintings, but artworks like as well, sculptures or, um, or, or fiber, fiber pieces and... Yeah, at least 200, I would say. Or, or, even, more. or even more, because I think of your installations, and I, I know, I mean, you're very well revered and, and well known for your art and all that you do. But when you start looking at it as a collection, and both you and I are, are fans of Sveva Katani, but as I'm asking you this, I'm leading you to see the body of work that you have created, and you're, I can feel you going, wow, it's almost surprising to you, isn't it? It totally is, because I have never really looked at myself as this is my career, my art career. I have done many, many, many things in my life. And this is something that I started uh, when my kids took their wings and left home and when my husband was still working and I wanted to do something that was flexible so we could still travel. And um, we had talked about me opening up a gallery and I said, I don't want to be bound to be going into a place from Monday to Friday and be sitting there waiting for people to come. I need, I, I'm not a very patient person when it comes to myself. I need to be able to do something for half an hour here and then an hour here. And so, um, yeah, I think that's maybe one of the reasons because I've never really seen me as just the artist. I've seen me as a lot of things. I'm an art patron. I'm a volunteer for a lot of things. I'm a board member. I'm an organizer. Um, and then, and I think, that's that's why I don't I don't see me only in that capacity as an artist, mm -hmm. and I think and I think that's maybe partly why I don't look at it like 
people who meet me through the arts probably see me in a different light than I see myself. It's that lens, right? If we can turn that lens like a kaleidoscope, because it's how we see each other as women too, right? So I know all yeah. of the things that you do, and I know the worlds that you live in. And if you watch your, like your photography, you take great pictures. And, you know, it's kind of like Hollywood, you know, they had to be a, a dancer, a singer, and an actor. They had to be what they used to call a triple threat, I guess. I don't know. I can't really remember. And as an artist, you have to be all those things. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I remember many, many years ago, I created um, a talk that I gave at some of the art shops um, about what it means to be an artist. And, and I came up with 27 points of what you need to be good at in order to be a successful artist. And, um, and I found uh, people would not believe me. And I, I shared the list that I had written down. I mean, it starts with buying your art supplies um, at the right time for the right price, knowing what kind of supplies to buy, making yourself knowledgeable about that. Is this the right material for what I want to see with it? And, 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 and it was quite amazing people who were in those talks. Let's just call them talks. It wasn't really a workshop. Um, they said afterwards, I had no idea that all of these need to be something that you need to be good at. You don't have to have the biggest talent because I always say, if I don't know something, there's somebody else that does. I need to have the talent to find that person to ask for help. And, um, but it, yeah, it is a very layered uh, profession, I would say. It's mm -hmm. probably the right word. Well, I see this book. I'm seeing the book of hearts with AJ. I just, I do see that. And I see the power of, I, it's hard sometimes, I love what you're saying about all the ways to be an artist. And then I go, how many ways do artists raise economy dollars in communities? So, and that side of it, I think about you and the support of the arts you've been, not for just Vernon, but for, for like the Okanagan, British Columbia, and globally because you travel so vastly that you really have been an influencer. Yeah, I think I have been in certain ways. And again, it's not that I see myself as that one singular um, uh, profession, uh, which because influencers nowadays, are they call themselves a professional. And I'm not sure, sometimes I'm, I'm sort of questioning their accreditation for why can they call themselves that? Because they have good taste and they know how to put fashion together or they know how to how to put people together and network. As I say, I think it, and this is coming back to your first question too, I think what is, what has always inspired me in my work and what, even when I step back and look at my work, what you can see in a lot of my pieces is the layering process. So the putting back together, oftentimes I use recycled material to give it a new meaning, but it always comes down to a layering process. I started out in collage work in, in the arts on, on a 2D um, separate and I still love doing those I and I always come back to them not as often as I wish for sometimes because I do other things but it when I look at my work there is a lot of layers that you can actually see the different layers even in a painting you can see that there is three or four or five other layers underneath in collage work it's obviously way more apparent that it is sort of like several materials put together. 
Um, but I don't think I do. I have one single piece of art that is only one medium. So I always, I always put things together. I'm sitting looking at a beautiful collage of yours that you gave to me as a wedding gift in this beautiful orange and sunflower yellow. I'm finding it quite poignant as we're working together on this sunflower project. And sunflowers again, there you go. And it's yeah. these colors, right? I'm, I'm like, mm -hmm. the other part, you know, we aren't, um, we are on the upper side of our careers. And um, what do you think about pivoting? What do you think about women in our age group? Um, you know, because I think about influencers, they've got social media, they've got great cameras, they have so much marketing at their fingertips, whether it's real or not. We didn't have any of that. No. And now we're, we're pivoting. What do you think of women at our age? Are, are we pivoting or do we think we're pivoting? Are we forced to pivot? You know, change career um, paths? I, I have always, interesting, the word pivoting would have not come to my mind, but I have always um, said uh, I'm one of these, uh, one of the women in the, in the changing generations. Because when I look at my parents, and probably you would say the same about your parents, they weighed, it was way more singular. As you said, there was no internet there was no social media there like i mean our our ways of expressing and sharing with the world was way way um more restricted than what we have now i mean now is a you take a photo and you post it on instagram or on facebook and it goes wherever you want it to go and that that it seems to be way easier sometimes i question if we are taking it as serious as we did before and that sometimes makes me a little sad because I do believe that we should be serious about what we put out there in the world. We should be serious in, in what we are posting and not just be, let's just call it frivolous for the lack of maybe a better word for it. But um, I don't mean to not be sincere about it, but maybe the word sincere is more what I'm looking forward to. You know what, if I'm putting something out there and it doesn't matter if I put it out and I put it on a poster and I go through town and I get the poster to the merchants and ask them to put it in their window, which was one of the ways how we try to advertise for our art shows. Or if, if I put something in an email, in a group email or MailChimp, or if I, or if I post something on Instagram, which reaches maybe 500 people or more, because if my friends, my friends share it with somebody else, then it reaches more people. I still think it needs to be very sincere, the work that we are doing. And more so in, in as you said, in the, where we find ourselves in our career being on the, on the upper side of it, because we don't have 50 years left to create more. We need to, uh, we need to be doing work that reaches people on a deeper level. I agree 100%. I know, you know, I loved muraling and people always ask me, oh, you know, we've got some, want this wall job and I'm like, and I still want to do maybe one more, maybe two more, but there's this, I, there's so many murals and there's so much art out there and, and so much of it is fantastic, but I'm feeling almost saturated with art that is being, and I don't want to say the word thrown around. I think commercial art and disruptive art are two different things and somebody could argue with me and say well yeah. all art is disruptive but I feel like it's so instant 
Like, yeah, that's exactly what it is because of the world we live in, because we can make it instantly shared with everybody, right? I think you're right on that. I, and I, th- I would even go as far as to say there is, um, the market is saturated. And the reason being is that we have the baby boomers who have quit working and they trying to fill their life with something meaningful. And a lot of the people in our age are going to take art classes or do YouTube and learn through that. And I think it's wonderful. I, I truly believe it's wonderful because I think it is wonderful for them as a person because art can give you so much for yourself. However, I think there is, um, not everything that goes out there is really something that you need to be too excited about. You're right. And, and in my side, I look at this and I had this discussion with my husband is it's sort of exhausting that art is put on as all these new inventions. I find it really hard to go, oh, this school system is now having, you know, steam, not just STEM, and and all of these things that it's like this innovation of putting art in it. And I come from, no, 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 we are art. Our bodies, our Mm -hmm. souls, our breath, Mm -hmm. how we cook a meal, how you peel a potato, how you grow a potato. You know, right, but all... I think I think that I think that's exactly what I was trying to explain. I think that has gotten lost in the in the generation coming after us, unless you raise your kids in this way, like I know you have done with your kids. Um, it it isn't there anymore because everything is instantly available for everybody. So we don't need to we don't need to understand how a potato grows, and our kids don't need to know. Um, how you craft an apple tree because those things are all done so they don't need to know that anymore because it's readily available and and I find that that there is a reason why they're they're talking about the lost art of farming or uh, woodwork or, or, or because a lot of those things you're getting really great tools that help you do the work however the question for me is is this still sincere are we still coming from this place of sincereness to do art and um i have met many 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 artists in my life um and i've become good friends with a lot of the artists and i would say out of all the artists i know and i can't give you a number how many these are but i would say there is maybe maybe three that i would say still have that in them and really act this way one of them is our friend Suzanne Norscott who I have oh, always yeah. claimed is the only artist I know she eats it she breathes it she drinks it she sleeps she dreams about it and she suffers with it because sometimes it's really hard to be an artist and make a living with that yeah and and um and then there is artists that do art besides their life where their life is not art so it's a yeah, their life influences their art, but it isn't the same as be really be diligent. It's not like a job from Monday to Friday, from eight to four. No. I mean, look at look at you. How often do you create your art after hours? That's when you become creative. I get up at four thirty and I can do it. So this this is what I mean with this. It's not. It is not like I go in my studio from eight to nine, from eight to four every day and create. That's not how my work is. And that's not how my life is. It might work for some other people, but I do believe that 
we need to listen to what our insight says when we want to create. And that's when we come from that sincere moment of creating. Well, and it's relevancy too, right? One of the best things on my walls were all of the different people that would come, like kids, seniors. And so you stayed relevant. And I learned so much from all those people. So to be, and I just had this conversation with Carrie Parnell too. She said, I couldn't just be somebody who sat in there in my studio because I believe in the art of life of like the conversation we had today when we were right. doing, you know, um, then Stacy got off the phone who the listeners won't know that works with us. And then she talked about glass and then I phoned my mom. It's the, almost like the network of art, like walking into AJ's house. So like when you walk into your house, your beautiful home and you have all this amazing, almost like I would say a collage of art around your home, how you serve lunch, how you make a coffee, how you're dressed. You feel like you're kind of in a painting when you go to your house. It's, and, and my favorite piece, okay. yeah, and my favorite pieces of yours are all those little houses you do. I love your women too, because you get like the curve of the of the calf. And I can remember my grandfather telling me, look at your grandmother Famie's legs. My grandma's name was Euphemia. And he would say she has the most mm -hmm. beautiful legs. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing for this man to tell me about my grandmother. Right. You capture the curve. When I look at the paint, the pictures of the women you do, you paint my grandmother's calves. And it okay. just takes me <laughs> to that place. And those are those wonderful colored memories that I believe you don't know you're telling me that story, but that's what I'm getting from your work because I think your work is almost like a portal between countries and time. And I, I always see you as living two, you're like two AJs. Like, you know, you're Angelica and you're AJ. And it's really a beautiful, beautiful mix. As a friend, you are mm -hmm. really a really cool, I've learned so much from you in strength and um, fairness and the strength of what you need to do and how you bring the power of the auctions and what you bring together. And then you throw this softness, this feminine. I always go, now that's cool. Right? You're like this really cool pair of leather boots with a really gorgeous orange rose. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Well, I think that it's interesting. Um, again, I think it's really hard for oneself to sort of step aside from you and see you in, the, in, in this light or even in this view that you just described about me. But I would agree with you that there is certainly two... AJ's or Angelica's in there and maybe you're right with even saying one is Angelica and the other one is AJ. Um, there is that very practical person, the person that um, uh, knows how to change a plug, um, somebody that can, uh, I don't know, repair a lawnmower or, and then there is that person that is just doesn't want to do those things that need to be done but wants to be making this a creative process, even that to, to make that a creative process is one of the things that um, I really have always enjoyed in, in my life. And I have been lucky to be married to somebody who gave me lots of opportunities to be 
a lot of things, not only being the wife and the mother to two uh, boys that I love dearly, but being um, a business person, running a restaurant, managing a writing stable. Um, I mean, there's, I don't, I really would need to go back in all those years to see all the things that I've done. Sometimes I think maybe I need to sit down and write a book, but then, then other things come in the way and then I don't do it. So. Uh, I um, think that yeah. I'm seeing a book, AJ, you know, I've talked about this. I see this collection of artist books of, you know, it's really funny. You can walk around and there's um, a mural of Sveva and a mural of Axel Ebring and Vernon and all of these okay. artists that, you know, that Patty Mac. <laughs> I think about that and I go, okay. And then there, there's our group. And I go, are we the next, you know, because we did. I mean, you said something really profound and it, it's the suffering People sometimes see, I think, people in the arts as this glamorous life, and it can be. Like I, and you have traveled and done so much, and I have traveled and been blessed and been to some crazy high-end places and parties and things, and yet there's always a layer of suffering, and it takes it back to the heart. I wonder if your work is that there is always that suffering as being an artist. Yeah, I think you're right, and and it is interesting. Um, I've always said that I think um, most of the good art that we see out there, and whoever gets to judge what is good art or not, is um, let's just say most of what I consider good art oftentimes has been produced out of a not so happy place in their life. But there is more power to it than when you're living a wonderful life. I find that when it is just the living that absolutely gorgeous life that a lot of a lot of us present on Facebook, it's a poster. It's always our poster life that we present there. There's not too many of us that actually share that they are actually not doing so well or that something is not right in that end. Um, but I find that. In my art, I have found when I was going through tough times, emotionally or physically or monetarily, it the art has always had way more power than when I was in a very balanced stage of my life. Oh, I don't even go near the studio. If I'm happy, that room is like, I, I leave it, it gets dirty, the dogs live in it. But when I need it, yeah. it becomes, yeah, that's... And I some of my pieces that I am so proud of most people haven't seen it's it's mm-hmm. it's interesting i wrap them up in, in like a garbage bag i roll them and it's kind of like one day i'll bring it out because i can't stand to look at it sometimes for a really long time after i do it mm-hmm. but but see this is the, the other thing i think that that we are very really lucky to be artists and to using this profession because we can we can work through a lot of the things that happen in our life through this in a way that there's a reason why people talk about art therapy it is a therapy for us and lucky for us if we don't have to do it to earn our living for the end of the month um lucky for the ones that have to earn the living and can make a good living with that but i do think that art and it really doesn't make doesn't make any difference what art form it is, but it is something that really helps to come back to a more balanced place in your life. I think about it having four grand boys and one granddaughter and watching those children be raised, how 
we've been correcting ourselves on what is acceptable for boys. Like all of the kids love to draw and paint and you can see the different, and you can see their personalities. You know, one will draw a truck and it's got every detail. And then one draws so large. I'm going, oh man, he's going to be on a giant wall one day with grandma because I have no fine motor skills. None. Like, yeah, gas me to thread a needle and you can laugh for like a week. Right? (laughs) But if people understood by watching those children on their first drawings, we're in the presence of masters because nothing has been given to them and everything about their self-discovery and learning is in their first drawings. And yet the first thing that so many educators say is, oh, can't be drawing, don't doodle, all of those things. And I just watch, you know, my kids and just go, no. And the freedom of what they do is just, I think, a whole new generation, I hope. I mean, my daughter has her kids in a, in a different school system for that. But AJ, think about how yeah. many times we were, I, I'm not pushing back at teachers, they're wonderful, but stifled or directed in a way that what could have happened if we weren't. Oh, of course, no doubt about it. Like, I mean, growing up in Europe, in Germany, you were not allowed to draw and write with your left hand. You had to learn to do it with your right hand. So that's, I mean, talking about restriction, we can go into what's happening right now and people feel are restricted about certain things that are happening in our life. But I mean, that was, there was no question there. That was just a given. You were not given a chance to do it any different way. And when you think about it later on, how much would that influence your life? It could be, well be that it influenced a lot of me because I am partly dyslexic. Well, would that have happened if I would have been able to <clears throat> write and draw with my left hand? Would I be even able to do it with both hands at the same, like in the same um, manner? And and it is um, it is amazing how those little family little things actually have a fairly big influence of, of us in later in life for sure. I think, but I want to come back. Okay, I want ahead. to come back to some something else if you allow me to. Sure, yes, of um, course. Uh, definitely very, very grateful for being able to create and to be able to express myself and to work through certain things that I go through in my life um, through my art. And I think that's one of the things, coming back to the heart, where I think it it is, for me, it's still very, very, um, important that the message that I I put into this piece, and we talked about this earlier at a meeting today, that it is important what is going through my mind when I create that, that this is the message that should go out to the people. Not that this is the message they need to understand in that I have a write-up about this is what happens on them, that they can actually feel it, they can stand in front of it and they can feel my general message and why they should stop and take a closer look at it. To me, that's one of the things that I think is is the beauty of the situation of being an artist, that we can do this without, like in terms of our art, like 3D art and, and not writing, that we can do this without words, that we can just express ourselves and, and say something that somebody else can pick up in however where they find themselves. I love and, that. I love and that. I, I find, I find that is one of those things that is probably a little lost as well. That people have not taken that chance, or not have have not taken that time to actually 
make that effort to actually look at this and and allow themselves to feel something when they're in front of a, of an art piece. There is that, you know, you think about it, we're on social media and all of those things, yet it is, you're so vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. in, in front of a piece of art. A lot of people go, oh, you know, you can go and, but then I watch, actually, I watched my husband actually um, at the Spavis show when he saw it. He just, I saw him connect in a way to art. He was just like enthralled. Like it was right. like, and he's never allowed. And then, you know, he later told me that he wanted to play the drums. And he had gone, yeah. yeah, and he was playing hockey and he went, one of his friend's dad was the hockey coach and a music teacher. And so he picked up the drums and started to play the drums. And this guy said to him, ah, you should stick with hockey. Oh, wow. And he told yeah, me that. Yeah, that's some... You see? Yeah. Yeah. This is so sad. This is so sad. This is a little bit like what my brothers did to me. And they didn't mean to do this to me and make me sort of like years later yearn to finally come out and say that's what i want to do but it is as i say sometimes it's those little small things that we don't realize how much of an impact it has for us in our life yeah and i think about i always want to figure out maybe one day when people use the word dyslexic or autistic or gifted does that really mean artist and will we discover that artistic people think differently which some people don't understand, so they've labeled it to be all of these things, and it's actually the ability to do what we all do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you might you might be right with that. What I find as well as an artist, you you are a a problem seeker and a problem solver. Like the seeking of a problem isn't sounds not very positive, but I think that's what we are. We we create problems and then we find ways to solve the problem. Well, if I was on a deserted island, AJ, and we got to pick 10 people because there wouldn't be a textbook and there wouldn't be a computer and we'd have to be able to catch a fish, and make a tent and build a fire and survive, I'd have you on my team. Yeah, you would be on my team too, for sure. I wonder I about that. I wonder if we'd be on the beach making giant paintings and stuff on the beach with the rocks. Could be. Well, we we would probably, and that's actually is one of the things that I still I feel I want to do sometime is to do land art, and it can be temporary that it is even on a beach if you pile up rocks in a way and the waves come and take it away. I wouldn't even care about that. But it is that moment of creating that I would enjoy. It is about enjoying the process of creating, not only what the result will be. And that's certainly a lesson that I had to learn the hard way because I am the result-driven person. This other AJ is that way. I If I have an idea of how I want things to be done, then I go for it and do it. And I don't waste a lot of time on doing this. And um, I think it was many, many years ago, I took a, a drawing workshop for all sakes, drawing again, um, from the Federation of Canadian Artists. And I was so frustrated that I couldn't do what the teacher wanted us to do. And uh, and I walked out of the room and I found quiet corner and I just had a little bit of a cry, which is unusual for me. And he came and found me and he looked at me. He was 76 years old and I was quite a bit younger. And he said to me, kiddo, you have to learn to enjoy the process. 
And it's one of those very pivotal things that as simple as it sounds, but it's very true. We have to learn to enjoy the process, even so we are struggling with the process, but even that, and that's where the learning is when we struggle with things. Only that's where we, that's where we learn. <laughs> I cried more in my studio. I was attempting to use encaustics and doing a portrait in a way that I wanted to do. And honestly, I could have smashed it. I think I cried. I was just like, why do I do this? It's absolutely soul wrenching, hey? And I'm going, this is supposed to be fun. Yeah, no, I get that, AJ. It's well, hard. <laughs> but I think I think that's what that's where it is. It's the it's supposed to be fun. Is the situation that we need to rethink in our brain and reprogram in our brain to actually say the process is is what. Maybe it's the fun, but the process is where we are learning and where we are growing. And that is the fun part, to see that you have actually grown, that you have actually learned something, and that you have actually overcome that situation that you thought you would never be able to. That I would think I would never be able to do a self-portrait, that I would be accepting myself in the self-portrait. As for example, I, I have just finished a series of four landscapes, which is totally not my medium and totally not... but. I have purposely done this to challenge me, but I purposely enjoyed the process of making them as good as I think I can make them. And in, in four months, I look on in four weeks, I look at them and say, how much graph is that that you thought it was good? Who knows? How? Well, we'll have to share. So what do you have coming up in the future, AJ? What do you got on your palette? Oh, uh, well... We, we are both involved in a project uh, here in Berlin, the Sunflower Project, which um, I got a little more information this morning on, which got my creative juices thinking about, like, maybe I want to be more involved than what I had thought before. So there might be uh, some work as, as in terms of collage work that I, as I said, I started out with and have always loved. So it would be great to go back into those very comfortable shoes and do that. Um, then probably a bigger metal installation still for the Sunflower Project that is still in the works in my head. Um, but even I just started to source out materials for this, which is always a great part of the process that I love when I'm, when I'm, I'm able to do 3D sculptures. Um, and then uh, there is something else on the horizon and surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly for you, um, it has to do with a heart mm -hmm. on the top of a mountain. So that will be a heart that will be shared with a lot of people. Given that this all will, will go through the way it is in the planning right now, this is a longer term project, but it will certainly be one of my bigger art pieces that I've done in my life. And that is what came to me about six months ago, maybe a little more, maybe a year ago that I said, that's what I still wanted to do one big public art pro project. And, but as public art projects go, uh, obviously that takes a few more people to get this all organized and I'm in the process of that. So that's coming up. Um, that's what I know. And then I never know what might come my way. And that sort of intrigues me. And I say, let's try that one. And I might throw this in the mix of things, whatever my life is like, I mean, my life is a kaleidoscope and 
and the collage. So there is always room for something that has been before that might come back that needs to be uh, looked at and wants to be included in it. Who knows? That's awesome, AJ. Good for you. Yeah, I'm working too. I'm trying to figure out, I want a documentary about a bunch of master artists that I know. I want to tell the story of the space between the cities and the systems, you know, everything that we're known and for those things we leave behind, there is a circus without animals in the middle. And I'm trying right now to teach that at a community level and slowly try to mentor 30 years of my life into helping nonprofits and form an economy that can help everybody met like not it's not gender it's everybody but it is really aimed at women because I really see just watching that women as we age we really need the support and that support in these times are hard so I think we could leave that our sunflower project is going to have a whole bunch of people working together we're going to talk to the sunflowers and AJ I would like to invite you I think we should invite some crazy fun guests that we know and I think we should have some fun art talks that people could tune into and sort of see the side of artists like we're being very you know soft and philosophical today but there's a lot of fun and some disruption in our conversations so what do you think about that oh i love that idea i think disruption is has always been part of what artists should be doing i think artists and we have a different art but i think there is artists that always make me stop and and look at their art and think about like what what is it that you're trying to say to me and i might not like it in the beginning but i do know that i always go back and and try to understand what the message here again is i i would definitely love that i would love to have some controversial uh conversations let's not say not discussions but conversations being european that's what we like to do and we can still be good friends afterwards and we will always be good friends it doesn't matter from that side and uh yes i agree with you in terms of having people to do projects with and fun with um i have to say i think we have done that michelle like i mean when i look at the the event the special red that we like you and I, crazy artists, came up with the idea over lunch and then invited our crazy friend Judy Rose with it. And we had fun. We worked hard, very hard. I mean, there's a special word that I could use right now that maybe I shouldn't be using. <laughs> uh, but but with all of that, remember those crazy days when we had to set up all in one day and then we had 250 people for a sit-down dinner and we didn't know what the weather was. Remember that one, one year when it, it poured rain like absolutely downpoured for about 20 minutes right at the beginning of the event and the people stayed and we would still have the event happening i remember those things and and i smile about them because i remember them not the hard work but i remember the fun we had was doing with our friends and and that was art in another way like i mean to create an event is an art piece it is i mean we are, we were creating the canvas so people could come and all paint with their own colors to the evening i think that's a way to look at it as well oh it is aj that's how like my projects people go oh you know over whatever i'm going the mural is the last thing on my to-do list Right. Right. And it's in that. That's what I think we need to talk more about is that if if communities had to pay for that circus, for that performance that most women do for free as our infrastructure is fading and they need these events and all that. Well, 
you know, I see they're doing festival grants, but you're seeing the nonprofits fail because they cannot uphold what people did, what the women, what the artists did to support all of those things that built tourism. And now people are in a dark place and all the different things that are happening because of COVID. Well, look at that hole, put a number on it and realize the value of the exhausted people you have at the circus. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Thanks, AJ, so much for taking it to the wall on Art Route Radio. And I can't wait to talk to you again. Well, me too. And I can't wait for our mutual project to keep on pushing those forward and invite the other artists to be part of it and not only you and me doing the work. All right, AJ, and I will have all your details at the end. Take care and have a great Perfect. day. Bye, AJ. Thank, thanks very much. Bye-bye. Ciao. It's the art yeah, and the yeah, history yeah, connecting yeah, all yeah. communities. The water flows yeah, through yeah, indigenous yeah, yeah. blue.